Welcome to the Mamas Have Hit Podcast Birth Story Friday. In this episode, Danny is going to be sharing her two birth stories. For her first birth, she felt like she did not prepare enough and opted for an elective induction at 39 weeks, where she ended up with an epidural. Ultimately, she felt like she was not in control of her birth experience and did not view it to be a positive experience for her. This fueled her to prepare for her second birth to ensure that she was better educated and had established a better support team as she navigated her second birth experience. She had an unmedicated hospital birth for her second birth experience, which she viewed to be incredibly empowering, and she can't wait to do it again for her third baby. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast Birth Story Friday. Today we have Danny, who is going to be sharing her two hospital birth stories. One was with an epidural and one was unmedicated. So I'm really excited to have Danny here to share her story. So thank you for being here with us. Oh, thank you so much. I am so excited because I have followed you guys for years. I actually, um, when I, this is my third pregnancy right now, but before my first pregnancy, I've always really been into working out. And so when I got pregnant and was continuing to work out, my friend who's a physical therapist sent me your guys's profile and was like, you've got to follow them. And so I started following you guys and you really gave me the confidence and encouragement and support and resources and education to feel good working out during pregnancy. Cause it can be scary when you're in your first trimester and don't have a lot of knowledge on it. And when I went to one of my initial doctor appointments, and this wasn't just like a doctor off the side of the road. This was like she had celebrity clients. I got her as a recommendation from one of my friends who's a pro baseball wife. So I was like, oh, she's going to be great because she has all these you know, famous athlete client wives. And so I was so excited. And when I went in there and she was asking me about, you know, exercise, eating, that kind of thing. I told her about how I exercise and I was a power lifter before pregnancy. And so she, I was still, I was doing moderate for myself. I'm not lifting heavy during my pregnancy, but for maybe her, it sounded heavy. And she looked at me and said, are you trying to go into preterm labor? And I just, I almost started crying. I just, I, because when someone in power like that looks at you and you're a first time mom and you're like, it broke me. I was thinking, oh my goodness, am I doing something wrong? And it just, she was really making me feel like I was intentionally harming my baby. And so had I not had you guys as a resource to show me that in a normal, uncomplicated pregnancy, like the one I had with no, nothing, no issues, what I was doing was safe for me. And so had I not had you guys, I probably would have listened to her. And that might've been the end of me working out during pregnancy. But now I'm in my third pregnancy, still lifting confidently and having incredible pregnancies. And I feel like I owe a huge, huge part of that to you guys. Well, I'm glad to have been a part of your support team. There is a lot of like myths out there about exercising during pregnancy. And it's really hard to feel confident about 
moving your body in a way that feels good for you and to understand what all the benefits are when there's so much misconceptions out there about how it's dangerous and how it's really bad for you. And I'm glad that we were able to support you because I am a firm believer that exercising throughout pregnancy is incredibly beneficial. And there's so many really awesome benefits of it that I'm glad you're just reaping the benefits of all of it. So let's get into how you prepared for your first birth, which from reading your story, it sounded like it was similar to how I and most of us prepare for our first birth. And then we'll dive into your first birth story. Yes, sounds good. So that actually leads me to my first point. The first thing I think of how I prepared in my first, which is one of the few things I did right. I feel like I made a lot of mistakes, but one thing that I did right is finding a trusted provider. That is one of the most important decisions you'll make because had I stuck with that provider that was insulting me, that was disrespectful to me, that was not up to date on research, I would not have felt as safe. I found a provider that aligned with me, that supported me. I went from being shamed of working out to a provider that celebrated me working out and wanted to see my videos and it made me feel really good. And when you feel good and confident and supported mentally, you're going to feel better physically. And so I think that's one of the best things you can do is find someone who you feel safe with because you can always, if you don't feel safe, you can always get a second opinion and seek out other care. And so whether you're doing a birth center or a home birth or a hospital birth, that's a really huge part of it. And it's hard. Um, not everyone can do a home birth. You know, there's things such as cost and and things. But for example, in a military hospital like I have now, you know, you can choose a hospital, but you, you don't know which provider you're going to get at birth. And so one of the things you can do to prepare for that is get a great doula. And that's one of the mistakes I made in my first preparation is I did not hire a doula. So... I did not prepare as well during that first birth. I was really great with exercising and and following along with a lot of that, but I didn't take a course. I didn't hire a doula. I didn't prepare as well as I should, and I think that led to a lot of the reasons why my birth did not go as as amazing as it did for my second birth. So let's hear your first birth story. Can you tell us what happened? Yes. So... This was, you got to think back a couple of years ago to the time of COVID when it was high stress, you know, in a hospital setting. My, I had a wonderful pregnancy and my doctor, I had no complications or no medical reason for me to be induced. But my doctor, who I absolutely love, this is not her fault at all, but she offered an elective induction. And so for me, I was just like, oh, this sounds wonderful. I get to meet my baby early. This is awesome. I didn't think of any of the downsides of the cascade of interventions that were about to happen. And so I just thought, oh, this is great. you know. And some of, one of the pros would be, oh, my mom that lives cross country is going to be able to schedule her flight and be here and know the exact day I'm getting birth. I love to plan everything. So I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to have my baby on this day. You know, I was getting, you know, a little tired and patient at the end of pregnancy. So for all of those reasons, which are not good reasons, I was like, oh, great. Sure. Let's schedule the induction. And that right there was my biggest mistake. And so we scheduled the induction. I went in at seven o'clock on June 20th and I did not have my baby until June 22nd in the morning. And so it was about a day and a half. So, and to give you a little backstory, the reason why I'm sharing this, some of the negative parts of my first birth story is because I want to share with you guys what motivated me and inspired me, inspired me and made me so passionate about 
doing things different in my second birth. And so here, these are kind of some of the things that I learned. And everybody has a different idea of what their birth dream is or what they want. And that looks different for everybody. But as long as you have informed consent and you know the pros and cons of each, and as long as you're in control, that's what matters. So you can kind of hear my story and, and listen to a lot of other stories and decide what's best for you. I went in at seven o'clock and, you know, when you're a first time mom and it's 39 weeks, your body is not ready. Well, my body was not ready. Baby was nowhere near ready to come. I probably would have went to 41 weeks had I waited patiently. But, you know, during the time of COVID, they like to schedule those inductions. And so that's what we did. And I went in and the hardest part was that they told me I wasn't allowed to eat. So it was like a day and a half of me being malnourished. And I am so serious about my nutrition during pregnancy. So I'm so used to eating amazing, nourishing meals that make me feel so good. And to sit in that hospital room and not be able to eat anything except for like this sugary, I think it was either like a juice or a jello that they offered me. And I was like, oh, this is probably filled with red dyes and processed sugar that I would never eat. So I was like, oh, I don't even want this. So basically for a day and a half, I was just malnourished. I felt so fatigued. It was really difficult because, you know, I was given all these induction methods and I nothing was happening. And so mentally, it was really discouraging because one hour sitting there in the hospital feels like forever, you know. And so by the end of it, I was just starving. I was hangry. And I didn't know that I really could have eaten during labor. I was following the rules and thinking I was being a really good girl. Where really, I'm like, no, you could eat. <laughs> but I didn't. And um, so I was, I was just I was starving. And I just felt really discouraged. And so finally, when contractions did pick up, I asked for the epidural. And again, I think if I had had a doula, um, if I had had better prep, I probably wouldn't have done that. But I did ask for the epidural. And shortly after getting the epidural, I had a bad reaction. And so I was, thank goodness my husband was there because he was able to call the nurses back in. But they were really busy. So the nurse didn't even really know what was happening until my husband brought or, you know, called somebody. But I started having a bad reaction where I started browning out. Like, I don't even remember all this. He told me. And he took a lot of videos and photos. And when I look at those videos, I don't even remember it. I mean, I was laying down. I had an eye mask on and I was throwing up the peace sign and like shaking my hand in the air with my two fingers up, like saying peace. I don't even remember any of that. But when, and I just hate that I, I didn't know what was happening. It was almost like being blackout drunk where you look at videos and you're like, I did that. Like, I, I don't remember it. And so... I was having the chills, the cold sweats. He was covering me in blankets and I was just lying there shaking and just no control over my body. I was delusional. I, did, I wasn't aware. I didn't know what was happening. And so they came in and they gave me a shot of epinephrine, I think it was. It was like a shot of adrenaline and that kind of like woke me up where I was aware. And then it was like all of a sudden time to push. And so what was hard is because the epidural, I couldn't move my body at all. I was laying flat on my back, which is not a good position to birth in or not the most ideal, I should say. And the little feet, you know, the stirrup things that you put your feet in, one of them kept breaking. And because my leg was like, you know, when your leg's asleep and you can't lift it when you have an epidural, it just falls to the ground. It was like, I couldn't keep it up. And he kept trying to put it up and my leg was just dropping down. And I hated that I did not have control over my leg to keep my leg up. And so the doctor was getting a little flustered and I really didn't know what was going on. The baby came out in about 10 minutes and thank goodness, you know, my son came out safe and no issues. But during... The pushing, I found out later that I had a shoulder dystocia, which means 
my baby was stuck. Now, doctors can sometimes, depending on their interpretation of it, I'm not sure if it was actually a shoulder dystocia. There's different levels of like some doctors would consider it that and some wouldn't. I learned that in the Birthing Instincts podcast. There's a whole podcast on, um, or a whole episode on shoulder dystocia. And listening to that afterwards was really, really helpful. But that was really scary learning about that later because I was like, I didn't even know that was happening. That could have been really bad. And because of that, the doctor did an episiotomy. So that's where he just cut me instead of, or cut my inside of my vagina instead of letting me tear naturally. And so that was incredibly painful, the recovery of that. I had several stitches and that was really, really a hard recovery. And so when I tried to get up after birth, I couldn't even get up for several hours and because I was still numb from the epidural. And then when they were trying to pull the epidural out, I remember sitting on the bed, on the edge of the bed, and the nurse was, I could feel, it didn't hurt because I was completely like numb, but I could feel her tugging it. Like I could feel the resistance. And she immediately, you could tell the whole tone changed. And she was like, this is not normal. And so then I got really nervous and she was like, don't move. And so in my head, I was thinking the worst, like, am I going to be paralyzed? What's happening? And so I'm just leaning over on the bed, you know, on the edge of the bed, just waiting. And they're, you know, waiting for the anesthesiologist to come back in. And so after what felt like forever, the anesthesiologist came in and he had trouble getting it out too. So it was quite a while before they actually got it out. And when they did get it out, I was just, I was so relieved. And then after that, I had horrible, horrible back pain. And I just felt really... I, at the time, I really didn't know any difference, so I didn't realize how challenging that birth was because I had no idea how good it could be. You know, I thought that was normal for a birth to be treated as an emergency and to do episiotomies and for all of those things to happen, to not eat. I thought that's just, you know, oh, that I just didn't know. And so when I started researching and talking to other people after that, I was like, wow, birth can be really beautiful. It does not need to be that way. And so all of those things is what really motivated me to have a different experience for my second birth. So how did you prepare for your second birth then? Yeah, so I did all the same things with working out, which by the way, I think helped tremendously with recovery. So even though I had a hard recovery with the episiotomy, the actual recovery of returning to fitness and feeling good and no postpartum depression, those things, I think that working out and having that mental happiness from maintaining my strength and what I love to do with working out, that really helped a ton during both pregnancies. But I think one of the best things I could have done for myself during my second pregnancy that I did was hire a doula. And I recommend that so much because you you speak for yourself, but your doula can help advocate for you. And that is just, I mean, I would say if money is tight, I would say on your registry, don't ask for any gifts. You don't need the clothes. You don't need the bassinet, any of that. Just say, give me a few dollars for a birth doula <laughs> and just save all that up there worth every penny and more. I mean, it is something you will never forget having a trusted doula because your birth experience helps so much mentally in your recovery where when you're on a birth high and you feel so happy with your birth, it's a completely different recovery than in my case when I felt disappointed and like I wasn't in control of my birth. That's not exactly the best feeling afterwards. So my heart goes out. I wish I could just give all the love and hugs to people who have had a traumatic or hard birth experience because I, everybody deserves to have the birth of their dreams. But a doula can help make that possible. And so I think that was one of the best things I did because we were moving cross country actually during my third trimester of my second pregnancy. So, you know, finding a new provider that I trusted, a new or a doula that was in the new area that I had never been to. All of those things were a little difficult, but so worth it for how my next birth ended up going. 
So let's get into your second birth story. How was it different from your first birth? Yes. So again, all of those negative things where I didn't feel in control is what fueled my desire for the next unmedicated birth that I had. So the first thing is that I wasn't sure the timing of when to go to the hospital because I was induced. And so I didn't know what your first contraction feels like. I didn't know what the natural progression of labor was like because half of it, I was delusional from (laughs) the epidural. So I really wanted a doula to come to my house to be able to labor with me for as long as possible at home and then decide, you know, with her expertise, when was the best time to go to the hospital to avoid medical intervention and to kind of go with the perfect time. And for those of you listening, you might think, well, why didn't you just have a home birth if you didn't want any medical intervention? And the reason why is because I was very, I had some fear about shoulder dystocia because a lot of doctors will tell you if you've had shoulder dystocia for one of your births, you're likely to have it again. And so I had this fear in my head and I later learned that shoulder dystocia is unpredictable and it can happen any to anybody. <laughs> you know, I didn't have any of the risk factors for it. I didn't have, I wasn't overweight. I didn't have preeclampsia. I'm not sure there's some other risk factors, but I didn't have any of those. It's unpredictable. And had I been able to move, I, I couldn't move because I had the epidural, but if I had been able to be with a midwife who was skilled in that and I didn't, and I was unmedicated, she could have easily put me in a different position to probably relieve that to where baby would have never gotten stuck in the first place and there would not have been a shoulder dystocia. So I knew in my heart there was nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with my pelvis. There was nothing wrong. My baby was almost nine pounds, but it's not like he had these huge, massive shoulders that, you know, made him. You don't have babies that are too big to, for you to birth. You know, your body is perfectly designed for this baby. And so I knew it was going to be okay, but I still had that fear because of the traumatic part of the first and, and because of doctors kept telling me, okay, it's likely to happen again. And a lot of doctors too will tell you if you've had a shoulder dystocia for your first, they'll actually recommend a C-section for your second. And thankfully, I did have providers that were on board with not recommending a C-section. They wanted you know, to do vaginal again, which was great, but it was still in my head. So that's the reason why I did not have a home birth is because I was like, you know what? I'm going to do another hospital, but I'm going to do it where I'm in control. And I know it's still possible to have a beautiful hospital birth on your terms. It's a little bit harder, but it is absolutely possible. So if you're listening and for some reason you can't do a home birth, if it's financial reasons or whatever, you can still have a beautiful hospital birth on your terms. You just need the right birth team. Absolutely. Yes. And to know your rights, to know how to confidently but respectfully speak to providers on what you do and don't want and to know that you're in control. Because when you feel in control, you know, when you're in labor, you kind of have that fight or flight. And if you don't feel safe in the room, you can't fight because you're vulnerable. So you just fight and that can harm the progression of labor and when you when you don't feel safe. So that is why it's so important to to feel that in control where you don't have that fight or flight, you know, mentality and and that. So so anyway, back to the birth story. My doula came to my house and that was incredible. I mean, all of the different techniques she used made the contractions just so bearable. Like they were they they were, you know, uncomfortable but not not hard at all. And so we did everything from my room to the living room to the toilet to, you know, just everywhere in the house. And she came over maybe around, was like seven or eight. I can't really remember, sometime in the evening. But it was kind of a beautiful thing how our bodies work. We're like, right when my children went to sleep and I felt, or I'm sorry, at that time I only had one child. So the second was in my baby, in my belly. So only my son was asleep. But when he went to sleep, it was almost like I felt relaxed, like, okay, I can have another baby now. And it was like, right when he went to bed, then my contraction started. So I felt really good. My mom was, you know, home with him to watch him. 
And so my doula and my husband were laboring with me. And um, then when she felt it was like, okay, I think it's about time, we got in the car. And I actually rode with my doula because I was thinking, oh, I'm about to have this baby right now. So I let my husband drive separately. And I was like, I'd rather be with my doula just in case, you know, we need to deliver on the side of the road. (laughs) So, but I did not have the baby in the car. We made it to the hospital. And again, it was just really nice because movement was so, I was just so grateful because in my last birth, I wasn't able to move around and walk because of the epidural. So it was just nice to just, and no one was in the hospital because it was late at night. And so we just walked through the halls. We hung out in the bathroom. We just, you know, did our own thing. And I tried to wait as long as possible. I didn't even want labor and delivery to know I was there because I was like, I want to have nobody touch me, no medical intervention. I don't want anything unless there's an emergency. And so, um, and I felt safe doing that because my doula was with me and she's so skilled and would know if something, you know, was going wrong. So she knew it was almost time, but not quite ready, you know, time to push. So we hung out in the chapel, there was nobody there. And so that felt really peaceful. And we did several contractions in there. And then when she felt like it was go time, we walked to labor and delivery, that that unit, and I showed up on my hands and knees right in front of the door, and I was greeted by several medical staff, like, ready. They were like, oh, let's get her in. So it was like the fastest thing ever. There was no paperwork. There was no ID. There was no anything. I just got put into a room, and I was like, you know, just there getting ready to go. And there was one man standing there that made me feel kind of uncomfortable, And I was so proud of myself because in my first birth, I would have never been able to speak up. Like, for example, in my first birth, when the provider, you know, when I handed him my birth plan, he looked at it and laughed and said, oh, the only thing I'll tell you about birth is that it never goes to plan. Didn't even read it. So that was the first birth that, you know, I told you about. And I was just like, oh, okay, you know, because I just didn't know. My second birth, I had someone that seemed a little bit similar to him. And I just said, you know, who are you? And he told me he was the doctor. And I said, may I request a midwife? And so he left and I got a midwife that came in and she was incredible. And so when you're in that birthing mindset, it's almost just like you have this, like this primal instinct that just tells you who's safe and who's not. And so I was so proud of myself for being able to advocate and say, this person doesn't make me feel comfortable. Can I have someone else? And so if you're ever in that position with, you know, the hospital room and you're like, hmm, you know, I might want someone else. I don't align with this person. The worst they can say is no, it's not disrespectful to ask for somebody else. And so it's your birth. And so I was really happy that I did that because the midwife that came in was just absolutely incredible. And she looked at my birth plan and she read all of it so respectfully and was like, easy. She said it like enthusiastically, like she was excited and aligned and just like, it made me feel so comfortable and confident. Like someone was excited about my birth dream like I was and who was aligned and ready to go. And so it just, oh, I could cry just thinking about it. It was incredible having someone that was really supportive of that. And so, yeah, so then we just, it was a very short time there in the hospital room. And it felt almost like a home birth, truly. It was just me and my doula and the husband. I, I barely even noticed the midwife and the nurse there. I wasn't touched. I wasn't, I didn't have anything on me. It was just me. It was truly wonderful. The lights were dim. I had my music. It was absolutely wonderful. We went to the shower area where, you know, my doula sprayed me off a little bit. That felt really good. And there was a point actually where the contractions were really tough and I asked for an epidural, which is crazy, (laughs) but I'm so glad that I had in my birth plan. I said, 
All three parties must agree if I ask for an epidural, myself, my husband, and my doula. And if all three parties don't consent, do not give me one. And I didn't, and you know me, and my whole key takeaway from this is that I wanted to be in control. And so, but part of that is that I really trusted my doula and I did not want an epidural because of the trauma experience of it getting stuck and the bad reaction and all of that. And so my doula knew that and she knew like, we were minutes away from this baby coming. So she was like, I don't consent. And I was so, so grateful for that. It's not like she was she was speaking exactly what I told her to. So I was still in control. I told her to say that. And so it was just so, and even my husband was like, uh, you know, it's harder for your husband to say no because, you know, <laughs> they just want you to be comfortable and happy. So, but when your doula third party says no, you can't, you know, you can't yell at them because they're so <laughs> they're so sweet and nice. But not that my husband isn't sweet and nice, but you know what I mean. It's easier to... <laughs> Anyone who's listening knows what I mean. And so thankfully, yeah, no epidural. And so then she was right. Shortly after that was when I just got on my hands and knees. And the pushing part was so beautiful. It was almost like I could feel a little bit of burning, but it did not hurt. It was not painful. The contractions were painful initially, but once it was like I could feel her coming out, it was not painful. It was like this beautiful, I I describe it as like I was just in heaven. It was like this high where I had no fear. I didn't feel in a rush. I just was there. And it was like, it was just beautiful. I think back on it. It's like, I want to do that again. It was absolutely incredible. And I loved that I could feel it. And I was so grateful for it because in my last birth, I couldn't feel anything, not a thing. I mean, I didn't even know he was stuck, you know, in the first birth. That's how little I could feel and how I was not aware of anything going on. But this second birth where I was just in control and I knew exactly what was happening and from start to finish, I was in control. And that was the main beautiful thing where it was just, it, it felt amazing, honestly. I, it was like this high. And so when she came out and just came out perfectly, I was just so grateful. I was like, I knew my body was capable of this. And having that trust back in my body and feeling confident in what my body is capable of and the, how beautiful it is to to birth. I was just, it was the best feeling in the world. And so having those two completely polar opposite experiences kind of taught me, you know, what I do want and what I don't want. And now going into pregnancy number three, I'm like just so, so excited and grateful to to do it all over again because it really was just one of the most incredible, empowering, just not even in, like you just can't describe the the beautiful high that you get from that. And I was just so grateful for it. So would you have another unmedicated birth? I I can guess the answer. (laughs) A thousand percent. Oh, and the wonderful thing too was I didn't tear. And so it was like, I went from this awful, like when after my recovery from my first birth, it was like sitting down. It took me like a minute to even sit down on the couch because it was so painful to even sit down. I was afraid I was going to like tear my stitches. It was so uncomfortable. I went from that to literally my vagina not even hurting at all. I mean, it was like, it wasn't even painful the next day. I had zero, zero pain. I felt like I didn't even need to, I still used ice, but I I felt like I really didn't even need it. That in itself was so worth it, where it was like short-term, what do they say, the short-term pain for long, or short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Like it really, that the, yes, the contractions were challenging, but to have that beautiful recovery with no tearing and the the confidence that came with it, the mentally strong feeling that came with it, being able to get up after birth and walk around and feel good, 
And exercising definitely played a huge part of that, of having meeting the physical demands of labor with unmedicated birth. But 100%, I would do it all over again unmedicated because of the benefits of, for baby, of not having the stress of shoulder dystocia, the benefit of being able to be in the position to allow baby to come out perfectly, to not tearing, to not having to need that episiotomy, to not having a bad reaction with the epidural to my back. I didn't have any back pain. All of the negative things that were hard in my first birth were not even a thing in my second because of no medication. So what were some like key things that helped you have an unmedicated birth? Like, so obviously the doula was like super beneficial. Was there any like mindset like strategies that you had or what are some tips for folks that you have to have an unmedicated birth if that's their desire? Hmm. I think, yeah, besides the doula is take a course. Education is and knowledge is power. When you feel powerful because of what you know, that is so valuable. So Mama Stay Fit has like the best courses ever that are designed specifically for what we're talking about. So do one of those. And if you can't afford that, they're free resources. Like I'm pretty sure I've watched every YouTube video you guys have. Every I've listened to so many podcasts. I've seen every reel. Like I... I mean, even your free content is incredible. So arm yourself with with all of the knowledge. And just, I think the mindset thing is that you were built for this. Your body is built for this and it can do it. And so if you go into it like, oh, I think I maybe want unmedicated, I probably, then you're not going to do unmedicated. But if you say, I, it is 100%, I am not getting that epidural and I have my birth team that is supportive of this, that is holding me accountable for this, that's when you're going to achieve your birth dream. When you think it and you you know believe it and you speak it out loud, that's what's going to happen. So you can't go into it wishy-washy like, oh, I'll probably do this. It has to be a state of mind where you know exactly what you want. You know the reasons why. And and that's why I don't, even though there were negative things in my first birth, I don't really regret it because that's what fueled my power for my second birth because I realized what I didn't want. And had I not had that, I might not have had such beautiful births after that. Now I know exactly what I want, how amazing it can be. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't get like a gold star for an unmedicated birth. Like they don't put something special on your chart like, oh, look at her. But the the feeling of like giving birth unmedicated and that like high, like I had an epidural for my first birth and my first birth story is similar to yours. And it's just it like I obviously was like really excited to meet my baby, but the feeling that I had immediately after birth and then how I felt postpartum was different between the two births. And I think it probably more related to the level of support that I felt that I had between like my first birth and then my next two births where I gave birth at home. And you don't have to give birth at home, obviously, like just like your story, like you don't have to give birth at home to have this amazing experience, but it's all about choosing the team that is there to support you and having them all be like 100% like you're amazing and we're here to support you, I think is what made the biggest difference for me between my two births. But it's really hard to beat that like that feeling of power like when you're like pushing your baby out and I don't know how strong the fuel ejection reflex was for you, but it was like an out-of-body experience for me. And it was like, yes. it was so cool. Like not in the moment. In the moment, I was like, this is a lot. But like after the fact, I was like, that was incredible. Like, let's do it again. And my husband's like, yes. can, can we wipe the blood off first? <laughs> yes. 
a thousand percent. I felt the exact same way. Like, I have to do this again. Yes. <laughs> and, and here you are. Here we are. So are you planning another hospital birth for your third or are you transitioning to out of hospital? That's so hard because I want a home birth so bad. But in our area, there's only three that are available because of the laws that make it so hard for midwives to do home births here. So there's only three that can quote legally, quote unquote, do home births here. And unless you text them, basically right when you're pregnant, they're filled up. And so yeah. unfortunately, there's not a midwife for me in my area. And the closest birth center for me is like two hours and 45 minutes, so almost three hours. And considering my last birth was only six hours from start to finish, I'm like, and I've had all my babies like back to back, like got pregnant six months postpartum. So I'm like, this one could come faster possibly. So I'm right now on the spot of debating, do I want to drive that far to a birth center? And I also have two other kids at home with childcare. That's a little tough. I don't want to do a you know, underground, like, quote unquote, home birth. Um, although I, I support other people that want to do that. It's just probably not for me. So I'm thinking I probably am going to try to do that. I have my same doula and I'm thinking I probably want to do the same thing I did last time. But if one of those home birth midwives that I really want has an opening that opens up, oh, I will snag them so fast and, and do that. So I'm just kind of hoping that there's some kind of miracle where that happens, where I can make that attainable. But for right now, I, I'm, I'm happy doing the hospital. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danny, for sharing your two birth stories with us here on the podcast. It's it's always really exciting for me to hear when I can tell that somebody had like a really positive experience and that they're just feeling very passionate about wanting other people to have an equally positive experience. Not necessarily like everybody needs to give birth unmedicated, but everybody should feel like should give birth and be like, I'm amazing. My team is amazing. Like this was an incredible experience. And you can have that with an epidural, unmedicated, with a C-section, induced, not induced. It's just all about everyone on your team supporting you and you feeling like you're the one that's in control and calling the shot. So thank you so much for sharing your birth story with us. Thank you so much. This was so awesome. Thank you. All of my clients that have used Gene and Roxanne's programming have raved about it. They have, you know people that haven't ever lifted or done anything before they really feel like it made their pregnancy easier if they were having spd pain and they started working out later on they started to see changes in that and it started to alleviate it um it just all goes very very hand in hand and i'm thankful as doula that i have the programming to be able to share with my clients and just really set them up for success because you know working out in pregnancy like we are strong we are capable like even when we feel completely nauseous and sick like getting to the gym working on ourselves working for our babies just really helps push us and lets us have a better pregnancy um the programming has been great and i'm super thankful that i can share it with my clients and that they're able to have better pregnancies because of it the key things with Danny's birth is not necessarily what happened during her birth of whether or not she got an epidural or whether she went unmedicated, but rather how she was preparing for her birth and whether or not she felt in control of her experience. And that seems to be a trend with folks that have a positive birth experience. They feel that they were the one that got to make the decisions in their birth. They felt very informed and in control of their birth experience. And this is not to say that you have to feel like everything is happening exactly how you want it to, but rather you felt that you were able to make decisions for every next step. So even if your birth takes an unexpected turn, like let's say your birth is getting a little bit more emergent and you need an emergency C-section, or if you're pregnant and you suddenly need an induction, even though these are things that were not 
necessarily within your plan or maybe what you were wanting, and it may feel like it's out of your control. If you're still able to make the decision or to make the call based on the information that you have, and you feel like you are the one that gets to make the decision, it can make a huge difference in your birth experience. And so not necessarily being in control of like every little thing that happens, but being in control in regards to being able to make the decisions for your birth, feeling that you were an active participant in your birth experience as opposed to a passive participant in your birth experience can make a huge difference in whether or not you view your birth to be positive or a negative experience for you. And so the first thing is going to be feeling like you're informed enough to make decisions for your birth. And so this may relate to taking childbirth education courses or educating yourself beforehand on what your options are at your birth location and what your preferences are for different scenarios. And it's going to be a combination of educating yourself with outside sources, such as taking a childbirth education course, either an independent one or one that's at your hospital. Any course is fine. It's about whatever is accessible to you and whatever is available to you. But educating yourself on kind of the general of pregnancy. What can you expect during pregnancy? What can you expect during labor? What is normal? How can you tell when something is not normal anymore? So giving yourself kind of the general education is going to be really beneficial. And you can, again, take that with a paid course. You can educate yourself with social media. You can read blogs. There's tons of free resources out there to help you understand, like, what to expect when it comes to pregnancy and birth. And so then we have to kind of weed through the misinformation. And so if you or watching a reel on Instagram, or you're reading a blog post, and you feel more afraid about birth, or you're starting to feel like you're not trusting people on your team, it might not be a great source for you. So it might be providing some biased perspectives where they're really trying to influence you towards one type of birth experience that they view as Beth, as opposed to giving you information for you then to make an informed decision based on what works best for you. And so if you watch an Instagram reel, or you read a blog, or you take a course, and you're like, wow, I feel more informed, I feel more empowered to make decisions that work best for me, that's a really great sign that this is probably a good source for you to gather information. And so just pay attention to how you feel after you receive the information. Do you feel more afraid or do you feel more empowered? And you can also apply this when you're talking with your provider. When you leave your appointment, do you feel more empowered by your provider or do you feel more afraid? And if not, if you feel more afraid, you might wanna consider seeking a new provider. So if you enjoy this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get notified whenever we release new episodes. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, join our prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education courses. If you need more support after birth, join our postpartum fitness programs and education courses that comes with both newborn care, postpartum, what to expect, as well as infant massage and infant and child CPR and choking. If you're a professional, we offer birth worker and fitness training courses so you can learn from us while earning CEUs. You can explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com and use code STORY10 to save 10% off any of our courses as a thank you for listening to this episode.